The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. All right, well, it's 11.30, so let's go ahead and get started. So I am Andrew. I am the host of Some Assembly Required, a weekly podcast. We go through the Avengers issue by issue. We are rapidly approaching issue 75. It's, so far, it's been a lot of fun. But one of the things I have enjoyed most is getting to look into a lot of the kind of oddball teams and villains that we run into. And one of my favorites is the Thunderbolts. So imagine yourself back in March of 1997. For some of you, that will be easier than others. But the Avengers and the Fantastic Four are now gone. The events of Onslaught have just wrapped up, and there is a vacuum left in the world of superheroes. And there are supervillains just running amok. And into this void enter the Thunderbolts who are a new and come across this very humble group of superheroes. They're working out of a abandoned pizza parlor. They don't have any of the high technology that the Avengers, the Fantastic Four are known for. They're really just pretending to be out there and trying to help people. But the, the Thunderbolts have a dark secret and that secret revealed at the end of issue number one, is that they are, in fact, the masters of evil in disguise. The long-running Avengers villains. So the team consists of Citizen V, Meteorite, Mach 1, Songbird, Atlas, and Techno, who are Baron Zemo, uh, Moonstone, Beetle, Screaming Mimi, Goliath, and Fixer, respectively. Basically, Zemo put this team together as a new Masters of Evil, and then suddenly all of Onslaught happened, and all these heroes are gone, so he can't defeat the Avengers anymore because they're gone. They've disappeared. So Zemo comes up with this new plan to take over the world, and that is to impersonate these heroes, ingratiate themselves to the Marvel Universe as a whole, and then once they are in they will take over so thunderbolt starts and i, and I kind of break this down here into kind of different big story arcs so the first one really is the justice like lightning where the thunderbolts are acting like heroes they're heroes in disguise or uh, villains in disguise really as we should say and so from there they go out and they're starting to do the, their heroic deeds and they add their first non-Master of Evil member, Jolt, who is uh, an orphan who survived Onslaught and was experimented on by Arnim Zola, so she gains superpowers to control electrical fields and things like that. Unfortunately, this forces the Thunderbolts to stay in character all the time. Before... When they were alone, they could be themselves. They could be villains. 
But now they're forced to be heroes all the time because Jolt thinks they're all heroes. This starts driving divisions and divided loyalties within the team. Several of the team members start to enjoy being a hero more than they enjoyed being villains. Meteorite begins to manipulate portions of the team, and two factions really start to emerge. One led by Meteorite and the other led by Zemo. And really the only one on Zemo's side is Techno, who generally speaking is pretty amoral. And during a mission to fight the Elements of Doom, that's a great villain team name, especially because they're all made of just different elements off the periodic table. To fight the Elements of Doom, Techno is actually killed, and then his consciousness is transferred into a robotic body, making him even more morally ambiguous than before, because he starts to lose connection with his humanity. So as all of this starts to play out, good for the Marvel Universe, but bad for the Thunderbolts, all of our heroes return. So after Onslaught, the heroes were actually transported to a counter-Earth created by Franklin Richards. And from there, they were eventually brought back to the normal Earth, the normal Marvel 616 universe. And this forces Zemo's hand because he hasn't made the progress that he needs to really in order to fulfill his scheme. And he's starting to see the team tear itself apart. So because of that... Zemo goes ahead and takes matters into his own hands and blows their cover publicly and declares who the Thunderbolts really are. So once he does this, obviously the heroes all turn against the Thunderbolts and Zemo starts to try and take over the world and nearly succeeds using what he calls a biomodem. Takes control of most countries' militaries and almost every government in the world. And he's only thwarted by a combined effort of the Avengers, Fantastic Four, and the Meteorite faction of the team, consisting of Meteorite, Atlas, Jolt, Mach 1, and Songbird. Zemo manages to escape with Techno, and the rest of the team goes to turn themselves in. And just as they're about to do so, they are teleported away against their will to an unknown destination. And that leads us into our second portion, Marvel's Most Wanted. Now, if you notice on the covers, the actual uh, descriptor for Thunderbolts changes from Justice Like Lightning to Marvel's Most Wanted. From this point, for a considerable amount of time, the team is going to be almost constantly hunted by various villains and various hero factions. Because of their both their, their lies and their near takeover of the world, they are wanted. So where the team is teleported to is actually another dimension where Atlas had been kept prisoner. Atlas was rescued from this dimension by Zemo just prior to joining the team. So he's drawn back to this dimension and is at mercy of the local inhabitants known as Cosmosians. While they're there, the Cosmosians want the team executed. The king chooses not to execute them, and this leads to, leads to an open civil revolt. Moonstone, uh, Meteorite now goes by her original name, Moonstone, 
uh, makes a deal with the prime minister of the planet and on his behalf kills the monarch so that the prime minister can take over and the event, I'm sorry, and the Thunderbolts get sent home. Once they do, as I mentioned, they are constantly on the run and constantly under siege by various villain and hero factions. What I love about this portion of the series is the fact that the team never really gets a chance to catch their breath. They are constantly moving from one crisis to another and are just strictly in survival mode. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of these groups that's after them is a new Masters of Evil. This is one of a lot of Masters Masters of Evil teams we'll see. It'd be nice if they came up with, you know, new names for themselves, but they just kind of keep picking up the old ones. It's like the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants for the X-Men. They just, doesn't matter who's on the team, they're just, oh, okay, we're going to be the Masters of Evil. But a new team of Masters of Evil shows up, and they actually offer the Thunderbolts membership on the team. And they offer to pay them well, reward them, but the Thunderbolts eventually decide that they are not going to join because at this point they've decided that they are going to work towards redeeming themselves and when they do this the idea of joining the masters of evil really conflicts with that new new idea now periodically throughout these issues the thunderbolts will bump heads with the masters of evil and on one of these occasions they are aided by the character called dread knight after the Engagement with the Masters of Evil is over. Dread Knight accompanies the Thunderbolts back to the cabin in the woods that they're using as a headquarters. And the team... And Dread Knight is revealed to be none other than Hawkeye the Avenger. Now, Hawkeye has a vested interest in these characters. Primarily because Hawkeye himself is a reformed villain. And if these characters are truly interested in, in changing their ways, Hawkeye wants to give them the same opportunity that he had. So he's going to take charge of the team. He's going to train them and lead them towards the path of getting clemency for themselves. Uh, Hawkeye has a number of preconditions for this, though. The biggest and, and really most important one is that Mach 1 has to turn himself in to serve prison time for a murder he committed while he was still the Beatle. And as we transition into the Hawkeye and the Thunderbolt section, that's exactly what Mach 1 does. He does it very publicly, and as part of that process, Hawkeye declares that the Thunderbolts are going to bring down the Masters of Evil. Now, one of the teams that had gone after the Thunderbolts while they were on the run was a group called the Imperial Forces of America, which is basically a group of former British nobles who want to bring America back under the control of the British Empire. It's a really weird kind of goal, but that's, that's what they're there for, so that's what they're trying to do. And the team that the Thunderbolts took on was led by a character named Charcoal, who's a young young man who is able to uh, transform himself into various forms of carbon, so charcoal, diamond, things like that. And 
Charcoal has escaped from the Imperial Forces of America and wants to join the Thunderbolts. Again, in an attempt looking for that redemption, he realizes that what's been going on isn't really something he's interested in, and so he decides that he wants to change. So he joins the team. The team then goes after the Masters of Evil. Fortunately for them, the Masters of Evil have been on a membership drive and have now buffed up their ranks to 25 Masters of Evil, which is a lot, especially when compared to the Thunderbolts. So the Thunderbolts realize that they can't match the team, you know, hit for hit, so they're going to have to outsmart them on this one. <clears throat> As a result, Moonstone pretends to defect from the Thunderbolts and join the Masters of Evil to let the Thunderbolts get inside the Masters of Evil's base. And eventually, the Thunderbolts are able to defeat the Masters of Evil. And Crimson Cowl is unmasked to be a woman named Dallas Reardon, who is the Thunderbolts' former mayoral liaison in, the, in New York and Atlas's ex-girlfriend. So things got a little awkward there for Atlas and the team in general. The team then is forced to take on the supervillain Graviton, who is punching way, way, way over the Avengers weight class. This guy has the ability to control gravity, and, and the Thunderbolts just don't stand a chance. So, again, they have to outsmart it, and Moonstone convinces Graviton that he lacks purpose in life. Suddenly, Graviton agrees, and so he just kind of wanders off to go find his, the, his purpose in life. It seems like a really convenient way to end this, but it also leaves it open so that you know that he's going to be back as soon as he finds that purpose. And we'll see, he will be back and things do not go well. So finally given a chance to breathe for a little bit, the Thunderbolts find a new home in the Masters of Evil's old base. And over the next few issues, a bunch of mysterious but very pleasant things happen within the base that they can't explain until eventually an old X-Men villain shows himself up named Ogre. And apparently Ogre has been living in this base for literally decades. Uh, he's protecting something that he doesn't really want to discuss, but he's been there forever. And it turns out that Ogre finally has decided that he wants to kind of rejoin people. He doesn't want to just be living quietly in the shadows anymore. And he likes what the Thunderbolts are doing, so he joins the team. Unfortunately for Ogre, just as he joins the team, he is kidnapped and replaced by Techno, who is still in his robotic body and is able to manipulate his shape to look like Ogre. So Ogre's on the team for all of about five minutes before he goes around a dark corner, Techno grabs him and shoves him in a stasis pod. He gets a little bit bitter about that, which... I mean, I, I would be. Unfortunately for the Thunderbolts, the next several issues are marred by tragedy with the death of Jolt. Jolt is actually killed off-panel, which I think is really not, not fair. You know, she's a, a great character. At, the, at this particular moment, she's the only character. She's one, or one of two uh, minorities on the team. And really, to kill her off panel just does her a, a vast disservice. But it also starts a mystery 
and several other murders that occur that eventually lead us toward the end of the Hawkeye uh, era of the Thunderbolts. So while Mach 1 has been in prison, he was approached by the Committee uh, on Superhuman Activities. It's kind of a, not quite, but sort of a HUAC reference there. And they enlist him in order to help bring down Justin Hammer. So Mach 1 begins to pilot a robotic version of his old beetle armor and attacking various Justin Hammer facilities. And eventually, he actually brings Hammer himself in uh, for justice. And eventually the Thunderbolts figure out what's going on, and they realize that their teammate is, is, out, is on the outside, is no longer in prison. And once they reconnect with him, they realize that in order for him to continue living on the outside, he's going to need to change his appearance. And this leads us to the worst decision made by the creative team in the entire Thunderbolts. No matter what volume, no matter who's the creative team. So the character of Mach 1, Abe Jenkins, is a middle-aged white man. And they change his appearance to be an African-American man. So effectively, Marvel has put these characters, this character in blackface. That is really messed up. Really, really messed up. Right? If they wanted to bring an African-American character into the book, that'd be great. be fantastic. But they didn't change who Abner is. They didn't change who Mach 1 is. They just made him look black. And, I mean, that's, again, I can't really go on about how terrible blackface is, but no, don't, don't do that. So from here, the uh, Thunderbolts encounter a new Citizen V who is being chased by her former bosses as the V Battalion and the Penance Council. And just as Citizen V gets to the Thunderbolts, she is revealed, interestingly enough, again, to be Dallas Reardon. <laughs> so Dallas Reardon was actually broken out of prison at one point, and uh, it actually turns out that she was not the Crimson Cow. She was basically made to made to be the fall person, and the actual Crimson Cow appears and kidnaps Reardon. At this point, the story starts getting really uh, twisty and turny, and it's a lot of fun, but there's definitely a lot of moving pieces to keep a track of when you're reading this. So both the Thunderbolts and the Penance Council decide that they're going to chase after uh, Crimson Cowl, and they go to the uh, European country of Simcaria, which apparently is right next to Latveria. While all of this is going on, Baron Zemo's down in his South American hideout, and he is hunted down and killed by an assassin known as Scourge. Um, Scourge will then go on to actually chase down uh, several other characters, specifically Techno. 
uh, and heat scourge uses a very odd form of pim particles and has all of these various gadgets and things from other heroes and villains stored in his armor so he can pull them out at will. So once all of this settles out, the Avengers and the Thunderbolts actually cross paths once again. When the Avengers are trying to stop Grim Reaper from taking over the Magia crime syndicate. And Madame Mask is a, decides to hold out against Grim Reaper. So as a result, the Avengers, the Thunderbolts, and Grim Reaper's organization end up all converging on Madame Mask's headquarters. And it looks like the three are going to throw down against one another until Madame Mask's father, Count Nefaria, shows up. And he intends to irradiate the entire world with ionic energy so that he can control everyone in the world. Mind control is kind of a running uh, idea here in this, this portion of the uh, Thunderbolts. So Wonder Man and Atlas being the two ionic-powered heroes between the Thunderbolts and the Avengers are able to absorb all the ionic energy from this bomb as it detonates. And the, and they, uh, however, Atlas dissipates because of the energy. Wonder Man is able to reform himself because he's done this before, but this is the first time that Atlas has, has dealt with it. And so he's unable to reform himself. So Atlas is now gone from the team. Also gone from the team is Moonstone, because in the middle of this fight, she has a mental breakdown and just flies off. What's happening is that vision is that she has been having visions of a Kree warrior, and she suddenly is starting to feel like she's not herself. Eventually, she ends up consulting the Kree Supreme Intelligence in order to get some answers, because her powers are given to her by a Kree Moonstone. And what she finds out is that the previous owner of this moonstone back in ancient days, this ancient Kree warrior is slowly kind of creeping out of the stone and, and suppressing her personality. So moonstone, it seeks help from mentor and from Isaac on Titan. And they really kind of decide not to help her more or less because they, they deem that she's unworthy of having this stone. So they kind of suppress the original personality and then don't really do anything else to help her. While all of the Thunderbolts are off doing this is when Scourge attacks Techno at their the Thunderbolts headquarters. Just as he finishes killing Techno, Atlas returns in his gigantic size, overloaded with ionic energy. And when he's overloaded with this ionic energy, he's going to explode, certainly destroying the base and destroying several nearby towns. So Atlas and Scourge try to get him away from these towns. And as Techno's dying act, he releases the body of the, uh, let's say reincarnated, but the, uh, the reborn Jolt. When Jolt died, Techno took her body, put it in stasis, and was able to repair most of the damage. 
So he brings her back to life. And as his dying act, he releases Jolt, who's able to help Atlas get away. And they only end up damaging the Thunderbolts hideout. So shortly after this, the kind of everything that's been happening around Scourge and the murders and everything like that all kind of come together. And we find out that the CSA, the Committee on Superhuman Activities, has been trying to set up this program and use what they call hard air to kill superheroes or supervillains at will. Basically protect the world from these superhumans. Well, the Thunderbolts managed to stop all of this from happening. They stop uh, Henry Peter Gyrick. But because these, this team doesn't have official sanction, someone has to take the fall for this, for all of the damage and all the assault and destruction that they've, they've committed. And it turns out to be Hawkeye. Hawkeye turns out lied to the team. He didn't have any kind of grant for clemency for them. And so they, uh, they kind of turn on him. And in order to give them a new life, Hawkeye goes ahead and agrees to uh, go to prison for this. And so really this end of the era of the Thunderbolts kind of ends uh, with Hawkeye going to prison. Um, yeah, it's just my son banging on the door. So the next, the next portion we get into a team divided because we end up with a couple of different Thunderbolts teams in different places. First off, we get a team called the Redeemers, which is basically Jolt, Charcoal, a clone of Fixer, so a clone of Techno, and then several other minor league supervillains who are working off their sentences. The team is trained by Captain America and then turned over to yet another Citizen V. Again, with this whole naming, you know, problem, but we just keep using the same names over and over. This one, however, is being controlled by the consciousness of Baron Zemo. Uh, back before Fixer died, he basically had a backup plan for himself and Zemo, where he copied their brain patterns and then dumped it into a comatose victim who then came out of said coma and became Cap became Citizen V. Because, again, superhero comics. So this team is, is formed with these kind of D-list characters who really don't have a whole lot of power going for them. And, of course, they end up having to face off against Graviton again. Only this time, Graviton has found his calling... Thanks in large part to counseling by Moonstone, who was hoping to manipulate him for her ends. And an alien assistant he has called M. Krell. And Graviton is tricked into opening a portal to M. Krell's home dimension, where a stream of his species come pouring out to try and invade and conquer the Earth. So the Thunderbolts... And actually, the Avengers are forced to um, fight against this alien invasion. And the Thunderbolts manage to stop 
the invasion for the most part. However, in doing so, they're basically trapped in a sound bubble by Songbird, who's keeping this portal from expanding. And when the portal collapses, the Thunderbolts, with the exception of Songbird, all have disappeared and are presumed dead. Now, what actually happens is that they are all transported to the same counter-Earth that the Avengers and Fantastic Four were trapped on during uh, Heroes Reborn. So, we now have two separate teams. We end up with a team led by... that will be led by Songbird, and we end up with a team that is led by... Uh, a reborn Baron Zemo. So, on normal Earth, Songbird, Songbird hunts down a Hawkeye who has escaped from prison and has gone after some other Justin Hammer facilities because there are apparently some secrets that they don't want getting out. So, Songbird reconnects with Hawkeye and with some prior Masters of Evil, they reform the Thunderbolts. Meanwhile, on Counter-Earth, Baron Zemo is... Consciousness is transported into the body of his Counter-Earth self. So he takes over and is able to uh, live a new life and be a hero. So from that point, the Thunderbolts have to fight the alien spaceship that the Penance Council is using as their headquarters from destroying the Earth. And they are forced to... Um, they're Basically, they're able to reconnect the two teams through this spaceship that is on kind of phased into both both worlds. So they're able to, to reunite the team. So from here, a reunited team under the command of Baron Zemo builds Project Liberator in order to uh, recapture, in order to drain energy from superheroes and supervillains in order to try and keep the world safe. Unfortunately, that power is getting absorbed by Moonstone, who was also in possession of the Moonstone from her counter-Earth counterpart. So she is becoming supremely powerful and unfortunately is starting to lose control. So the Avengers and the Thunderbolts are forced to defeat Moonstone, take away her Moonstones, which leaves her in a catatonic state and Baron Zemo is able to quietly acquire said Moonstones. So now Baron Zemo has all kinds of crazy superpowers. At this point, the Thunderbolts are forced to fight an Atlantean terrorist group known as Fathom Five. And when they do so, Captain Marvel shows up. And this is not the original Captain Marvel. This is one of several removed from him at this point. I believe this is Novar, I believe, at this point. He and Atlas actually kills Captain Marvel. He just loses control, doesn't want Captain Marvel involved with the team, and just smashes him, and then throws his body out into the ocean. 
So between this and between the new members of the team, there start to be some, some friction developing. And then Captain Marvel comes back now as Photon, and that just adds more friction to the team. On top of that, Radioactive Man joins the team, and as a result for the terrorist activities that he, that uh, the Atlanteans committed, Radioactive Man attacks and irradiates a Atlantean settlement and ends up incurring the wrath of, of uh, Namor. So now they have to fight Namor, and they've got to fight these Atlantean terrorists. And the Wrecking Crew shows up at times, and at this point, there's just all kinds of things piling on top of the Thunderbolts. Well, as it turns out, it's actually Baron Strucker who's been pulling all these strings and dumping all this stuff onto the Thunderbolts. And then House of M happens, and literally mid-plot, we take a diversion for about an issue. It's kind of a... I like the way they do it because House of M really does happen very suddenly, and so it's a very sudden thing to drop into the middle of this story arc. Um, it does break things up a little bit, so you kind of lose track of what's going on for a little bit. But eventually what happens is the Thunderbolts get hired by Hank Pym, because Hank Pym doesn't trust the uh, post-disassembled New Avengers. And he wants to send them a message that, hey... We can take you out at any point. So he sends the Thunderbolts to basically give the new Avengers a message. If that weren't enough, the Thunderbolts have to face off with the Squadron Supreme because several of their old members, Nighthawk and Whizzer, have joined the Thunderbolts. And the Squadron Supreme needs them for a plan being enacted by the Grand Master. So eventually, Zemo comes back and takes charge of the team, along with Songbird, and the two of them begin an on-again, off-again relationship. They are forced to fight against the Squadron Supreme, trying to take charge of different locations controlled by the Church of the Universal Wellspring, which is basically a wellspring of power breaking through the Earth at various points. All of this is going on in the background of Civil War. And as part of that, Zemo makes a deal with the pro-registration factions to capture a bunch of supervillains and turn them into a super-powered army for uh, the pro-registration side. So they manage to succeed this very well and deploy the Thunderbolts army. Eventually, Grandmaster, though, attacks the final wellspring and dissipates the energy out into the world, creating thousands more super-powered individuals, overwhelming the Thunderbolts army. Zemo is forced to fight the Grandmaster. He dissipates the Grandmaster, realizes he needs him, brings him back, only to kill him almost immediately. But in the process, one of the two Moonstones is shattered, and shortly thereafter, uh, Songbird shatters the other stone using her vocal powers. Because of this, Songbird gets covered in Moonstone shards, and this connects her to her former teammate. And 
through a kind of convoluted, not very clear process, Moonstone comes back. And that leads us to the post-Civil War days of Norman Osborn. If you notice, Warren Ellis takes over writing duties, which is fantastic because Warren Ellis is a great writer, but it also means this series takes a very dark turn. So Norman Osborn takes charge and shakes up the team. He puts Moonstone in charge as the field leader, and he brings on teammates such as Bullseye and Venom. So it creates a real tension between the two factions of the team. You kind of got the original Thunderbolts, who are generally kind of good people, and then you've got the really terrible people like Bullseye and Venom. On top of that, they have a new mission. Instead of hunting down supervillains, they are now hunting down uh, unregistered superheroes. And they tend to do so with extreme prejudice. Add on to all of that is the fact that Norman Osborn is heavily medicated, and the stress is not helping that. And he starts to, you start to see little cracks coming through. Eventually, though, Songbird takes command when Moonstone is injured. And because of her manipulations, Bullseye is basically shocked and beaten into a vegetative state. So the two of them now have a significant animus towards one another. Finally, several, we'll call them, quote, air quote, heroes, turn themselves into the Thunderbolts. And when four of them are imprisoned by the Thunderbolts in their base, they all begin to telepathically manipulate the Thunderbolts into doing just atrocious things within the walls of this Thunderbolts base. Uh, a large number of CSA minions are killed in the process. Uh, and as you can see, Osborne goes full on Green Goblin. It's really one of those William Defoe going full Defoe. Just as the Thunderbolts are getting over all of this comes Secret Invasion. And Norman Osborn becomes the director of Hammer because Norman Osborn intercepts information from Deadpool on how to kill the Skrull Queen. He kills the Skrull Queen and then takes over Tony Stark's position. He dismantles S.H.I.E.L.D. and reassembles Hammer, which is basically a bunch of thugs with badges. He officially disbands the Thunderbolts, although secretly creates a new team that is made up of basically private assassins for his use and transitions most of the former Thunderbolts into the Dark Avengers. He starts off his reign by attempting a fake assassination of the president, an assassination attempt, in order to boost his standing and hammer standing with the president and to uh, basically make it look like someone else is the Green Goblin at this point. After that, Deadpool decides he wants his money because Deadpool was screwed out of a lot of money by Osborn when he intercepted this data. So Deadpool teams up with Taskmaster. They attempt to get the money back. They don't. And Deadpool is forced to uh, basically scam a whole bunch of ATMs in order to pay Taskmaster his half of the money. I'm not a huge Deadpool fan, but this is actually a really entertaining uh, story arc. The first official mission for the Dark Avengers is that they are going to go to Latveria, and they, are, they end up fighting with Morgana and Doctor Doom, or they get in the middle of the fight, I should say. Um, 
which goes okay for the, th the Dark Avengers, but really, I mean, they're not much of a team. Eventually, uh, Songbird and the Black Widow that is on the Thunderbolts team, who is the, th the second Black Widow, uh, team up. The second Black Widow was actually revealed to be the first Black Widow, because reasons. <laughs> and uh, from there, the two of them end up on the run. The Dark Avengers' second mission is to hunt down a couple of missing girls, and they end up having been taken by Molecule Man, who really does kind of terrible things to the Dark Avengers, doesn't really do anything to any of his other hostages. And eventually, uh, the Sentry, um, who is slowly being retaken over by the Void, manages to uh, stop Molecule Man. Then we finally get to the end of the Norman Osborn era and Siege. Basically, the Dark Avengers go to help Norman Osborn, where the Thunderbolts are attempting to steal a spear that will help Norman Osborn in his attack on uh, Asgard. Obviously, his attack fails, and Norman Osborn is taken into custody, where the team is then taken over by Luke Cage. This is actually a pretty fun, long run of Avengers. Or, I'm sorry, of uh, Thunderbolts. So at this point, Luke Cage puts together a new team of prisoners from the raft. They go on missions to take out a radioactive uh, Terrigen mist site. During Shadowland, they have to go fight a underground temp or underground castle full of ninjas, like a lot of ninjas. And then they go to fight Kaiju in Japan, because where else would Kaiju go? It's a lot of fun, but it's a really heavy workload for the Thunderbolts. So they actually form a second team of more prisoners. Unfortunately, during Fear itself, Juggernaut, who is a member of the Alpha team, who's been put on probation, is granted one of the hammers through sin. And Juggernaut, in his escape, destroys an entire third of the raft. And the Thunderbolts are put, basically put on search and rescue and containment duty. As part of this, several of the beta team members and a couple of the original team members decide they've had enough and escape. And through the use of Man-Thing and some technology and some other things that they attempt to explain and don't explain at all, they transport themselves and the entirety of Thunderbolt's tower accidentally into the past. And this starts a really fun, time-hopping, goofy uh, series of events where they go through uh, Nazi-held Europe, they end up as part of uh, Jack the Ripper, and they end up facing off finally, which is one of my favorite panels, I think, of the entire series, against King Arthur, Merlin, and the Knights of the Round Table. Eventually, though, they are able to get back too close to their normal time, where they bump heads with the very original Thunderbolts, and things go pretty well until Fixer accidentally kills himself, causing the entire universe to start collapsing. <laughs> They really 
as hard as they try, they can catch, can't catch a break. So from here, uh, he goes and Fixer has to basically take his own place and gets left in the past. While the rest of the team end up in prehistoric times and a new team is formed in the present, the Thunderbolts eventually, through the help of Doctor Doom, end up in the future uh, fighting against a what I would probably think is a pretty good uh, argument for copyright infringement against Judge, with Judge Dredd uh, and Boss Cage. The team is able finally to get back into their own time because um, through the aid of Boss Cage, who doesn't want his future to come to pass, and they help the present-day Thunderbolts prevent that future from happening on one of their own missions. Everything's looking great until just as they're all getting ready to kind of wrap things up and leave, several of the new th newest Thunderbolts uh, and Moonstone get sent into another dimension on accident where several of the where there are various warring factions of heroes. Unfortunately, these heroes um, uh, basically it's a pocket dimension where AIM is uh, trying to steal technology. Right, unfortunately, I've just been given time. Um, so there are two more runs. There is a Thunderbolt Ross run, which is not bad, but the storyline's pretty lacking. And then there is a wonderful run with Winter Soldier leading the team. Uh, unfortunately, it really becomes more of a bridging agent between um, uh, Standoff and Secret Empire. And unfortunately, they end the things there. And it really... The, the, the series could have gone on and could have been really great, but they ended it too soon. So... All right, folks. Uh, once again, I'm Andrew. Uh, you can check us out at Some Assembly, Some Assembly Required. Uh, we in weekly podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and AvengersAssembly.com. All right, hey, all right, good job, guys. Uh, let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. Have you ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it. <laughs>